Cree, welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate and comment on every episode we saw. And then uh, the, the podcast where after like a run of five episodes that were like all uh, plot central and like had developed arcs and everything, we, we go back to having like a, a silly planet of the week thing with a Star Trek plot that kind of goes nowhere uh ish because there's there's like a kind of an open ending to it but it's it's not anyway uh this is this is like this is an episode that can be watched in a vacuum is what i'm trying to say here uh so we so this is season three episode sorry season two season episode two? three prisoners yeah <laughs> joining me we have m hey this is a nothing episode but it finally validated me so it's got that going for it <laughs> Great, you can you can tell us all about that, and we have Jimmy Dean. Hello, uh, I scheduled a nap halfway into this episode because I was falling asleep during it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a good plan because it's also not the most interesting or exciting episode out there. You can kind of you kind of know what every everything that's going to happen in there because it just follows all the tropes of this of specifically the sci-fi episode where the heroes get condemned to death to life in prison on an alien planet and then have to figure out a way to escape from there. Like it seems really specific, but like each Star Trek series has at least one, if not three, of those. And uh, yeah, it's it's been done all over the place. <laughs> Star Trek has a whole movie. Oh yeah, that's right. Star Trek Six features uh, Kirk and Spock escaping from like uh, from the, the Klingon planet while also negotiating it's, peace. It's not Kirk and Spock. It's Kirk and Bones. Oh, you're right. It's Kirk and Bones, and they meet a, a shapeshifter on there. That's a weird. Star Trek Six is good. It's a little weird, uh, but the, uh, like the <laughs> it fucking rules. But it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this isn't Star Trek Six. This is Stargate. Uh, uh, we start on a Vancouver planet that is P. Uh, I had it w earlier. It's P something something. I think P three X seven seven five. I want to say we'll see if the subtitles uh, prove me right later in the episode. Uh, the one of the two planets and the least important of the two that we'll see in this episode. Uh, yeah, it's there in the forest. Big surprise. Uh, talking about how uh, O'Neill basically whining that he's bored because this is a planet with nothing on it. And Daniel trying to say, hey, we've barely looked around. Maybe there is something interesting here, which you might think, like, Daniel has a good point because this is a planet that actively uses its Stargate as a way to dispose of, like, criminals and has a high-technology society of some kind that can teleport people to a courtroom and everything. So uh, why is the Stargate in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere where it should be, like, in a courthouse to them or something? I don't know. Uh, but, and yeah. They do just... go explicitly say that they're 
they've done air samples and soil samples to see if there's like any signs of any kind of pollutants or whatever to test visualization, uh-huh. which that's probably not a great way to look at things, but I mean, assuming that the only way that that every technologically advanced civilization out there is exactly like Earth and has completely fucked its planet over with global warming from burning fossil fuels, which know, seems to be their assumption here. When they know that's not true, they've met the Nox. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, we're already thinking about this way harder than the writers of this episode did because we yeah. literally don't even get to see the ruling class of this planet or what they look like uh, <laughs> um, anyway they're in the forest uh, and then like while O'Neill is yelling at Daniel to uh, basically tell him hey this planet is boring let's go home and like just call it an early night write a report that says hey it's vancouver over there and there's nothing uh just as he's saying that uh they hear a man yelling and someone like running out of the of the woods towards them so so much for no signs of civilization uh so this one guy uh if he i believe rochure is his name uh, uh, he doesn't matter. You, Amazon, yeah, no, doesn't. Uh, he's going to be dead by the end of this episode. One of the, one of the few, one of the few fatalities in this one. The only, no, wait, there's like two named characters that die. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, he 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 walks out and he's like, uh, yeah, help me from the Taldor, and like Daniel doesn't know what Taldor means, uh, so Olin's like, yeah, whatever, uh, <laughs> sure, come with us. Uh, we'll escort you to the Stargate, I guess, is the plan uh, that they have. Uh, like once again, they know nothing about this planet anyway. Um, this guy should have been way more freaked out by that proposition, though. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's the that's the thing, right? Because this, as far as this planet goes, the Stargate is only exclusively the one way entrance to their prison. That's the like, only thing yeah, it's their, used their for. Prison, their prison planet is their Abydos. It's just the yep. one place they found. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, they they just take a walk and then like they get uh, shined on by a big sky spotlight. Uh, the guy says, "Is that's the Taldor right there?" Then they're coming for them, uh, and they get beamed up uh, into a complete darkness. Just 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 the black stage with no set dressing whatsoever and a big spotlight shining down on them. <laughs> Because Listen, why, they don't why have, build a set? They don't have the assets to load the level. <laughs> they don't right? have it. They, they've been put in the animus loading screen from Assassin's Creed. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the Taldor is just these voices that like talk to them and condescend at them and we're never gonna see them for this whole episode and considering everyone else from this planet we see is just a human i'm gonna say that haldor is just humans but they're the ruling class of this planet but no one like cares enough to specify or explain that it, like they seem to think they're some kind of aliens but uh, we have no evidence of that whatsoever um uh the 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 whole the only thing that happens in this episode is uh the Taldor say hey this guy right there he killed someone and then you helped him by like taking him along with you and because of that you've been made complicit in his murder after it happened for some reason uh so also, you like- were trespassing Right, yeah, you were trespassing on our sacred ground, which is like the completely uh, un, un, unshown. Like, there's not, there's nothing, uh, th- there's no any, uh, there's no kind of markers anywhere that even indicates that. And they just came it's out of like the Stargate. Like our sacred ground that we mm-hmm. use to send our convicted criminals to right? super prison. 
Yeah, so they, it's like that. They're on their sacred grounds with weapons. Uh-huh, they point yeah. that out. They they have weapons like that. I guess yeah. But con- like considering these people don't even think that it's possible to escape the prison, it's you, like yeah. It's like you you you've 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 uh, trespassed on our sacred garbage dump, and so for that you're sentenced to life on the prison planet Hadante, which you know, uh, nice uh, creative name by the writers there to just like combine Hades and Dante uh, for a planet that doesn't even particularly look hell like. It's just a cave with filled with 30 people um yeah so they just get like sent there uh like dante shouldn't even be in the like the like lexicon that's been going out there associated (laughs) with hell because that wouldn't exist for thousands he wouldn't be born for thousands of years after the split that's right the name dante is from renaissance italy uh and he's just the guy who wrote a book doesn't have any actual mythological associations with hell it's just one that we've made in retrospect and now the name just conjures that idea to anyone uh in the modern days uh we also get like o'neill trying to defend uh their position and showing once again that he's the worst uh diplomat the worst defense attorney possible like this is like the third time on the show that he's tried to like plead with some kind of uh of uh power that's trying to judge them and like completely failing to do anything to help themselves um so yeah they're gonna be the last (laughs) no not even close (laughs) so yeah they're just sent to uh this planet Hadante, uh, in, in which the, the the Stargate itself is inside a cave, uh, we just see, sorry, uh, dirt on the ground and tree roots everywhere, and uh, that's it. It's dark, but you know, it's it's TV dark, so it's so lit up enough that we see what's Hadante going on. Hadante set reminds me of what? It reminds me. Uh, you ever been to like a theme park's Hallow- Halloween events where you have those haunted house mazes? <laughs> I don't think I've been to one, but I I know what you're talking about. Yes, it it does it look a little bit is, like that. It's a very it's like a very cheap, quickly erected structure with stuff on the walls, and everyone right. gets a little too close, but never actually does anything to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's it's, a, it's it doesn't remind me of that because this episode doesn't feature any drunk teens. It's lacking <laughs> no, that final right. component. <laughs> Uh, no drunkenness, no drunkenness whatsoever, or teens in this episode. Uh, yeah, it's just a cheap-looking uh, interior cave set. Uh, that that, as far as I know, there's like the Stargate room, and then like they just shoot in a corner of the Stargate room sometimes to when they they want to say, hey, this is a different room in this place. Uh, but it they, it all looks identical anyway, so it, it's not like it matters much. Uh, this is like, in, in the fiction, it's like, there's a hallway, the Stargate room, and then Linnea's room, and that's all that exists. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. We get to the part that finally validates that finally validates something I've been yelling about since episode one. Oh, yeah. Yes. Go ahead. So they come out of the gate, and there are these two, <laughs> there are these Two. This is pair of feet just sitting in front of the gate. <laughs> yeah. Because some d- because the people here think that if you jump into the kawoosh, you will escape. Mm-hmm. You will escape. And no, uh-huh. you get vaporized. And yep. every single episode where they've been standing right where the kawoosh should have hit them and somehow didn't, uh-huh. and I complained yep. about it since episode one. And the show right. is finally acknowledging that I've been right. 
Yeah, exactly. This is this is the this is, this is the episode that uh, establishes that about the Stargate, uh, which is like I I think Carter just says it like they figured out that it does that somehow uh, off screen at some point. Uh, but this is like yeah, it's canonical. It's not just us making that up. And I I also like that as he's explaining that hey the Kowush disintegrates you and kills you. Uh, she's standing directly in front of the shot Stargate, so it could t- theoretically open any time well, and I mean, disintegrate her has- as well. It still take doesn't it still have I don't remember doesn't it still have to like do light up all yes. the things on this yeah. side before yeah. so you'd have a few seconds to, you'd have time yeah, to you, move. You, you, you get some warning but like yeah the target tends to light up at the speed of plot so yeah who knows? we we get a warning of when it's powering up because uh, we get to see the second dumbest thing in this episode occur <laughs> when that happens <laughs> yeah well we're gonna see it later. Uh, so also, yeah, so everyone who is in this room is whistling creepily as they walk in. They do that, like, twice in this episode each time someone gets disintegrated. That's the, the, that's the official uh, disintegration whistling, I guess. What they, when they believe someone's escaped, that's their thing that they do. Because some so, kind of religion that they have in this prison is like, not explained. I don't think they actually believe that they're escaping. Like, they talk about no. it like that, but that one I guy mean, ran off with the feet. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. First of all, they see it. Like, if, if they thought, if they actually, like, rationally thought that this worked, why would anyone even be there? They would just, like, stand, like, 15 of them would stand in front of the Stargate each time. Uh, this is clearly so, just something that some people sometimes believe and when they get desperate and suicidal enough that they're, they, they're, they don't care anymore and they're, they go for it. Uh, it's, it's pretty dark. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, some people, uh, believe that if you jump into the Kawush, you escape. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty easy to prove that it's not the case. As you mentioned, this, this other guy, uh, walks out and grabs the p- pair of feet and runs off with it because that's, uh, that's some good shoes on there, I guess. Uh, and that's a premium in prison when you never ever get, uh, like supply, resupplies of any kind except, you know, the slop that they eat. Um, so while they're trying to talk to this guy who's running off with the feet, uh, another. Well, well, I mean, Sorry. they always they always say you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> you need more boots if right. you're going to do that. You need That's that. That's how you get out of the prison. Exactly. Um, so uh, another guy creeps up behind Carter, like a big guy. Like the, 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 they 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 put up a casting call or whatever character actor who plays like nameless thugs in TV shows, uh, and they got this guy. He looks like the kind of guy who would like fight Xena in a cold open of an episode at one point and is never named or seen again. That that's he has like a good entire head over Carter and is big and he grabs her from behind uh, like over her both her arms and kind of lifts her up in the air uh, until like this uh, she so she like headbutts him in the nose and manages to make make his nose bleed um, and like we so we hear uh, uh, an old lady's voice who tells him to drop her uh, so he does that uh, and she, she so this old lady whose name is Linnea comes in and she breaks up the fight and she 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 goes like hey hi uh, you're new here uh, so welcome here to Hadante he she tells all the guys there that Carter is not to be like she's she's not uh, available for anyone to just like rape and whatever which is you know that's that's uh, that's nice of her. 
Uh, this is not that's that's disturbing, but yeah. Um, uh, that's, Amanda, that's, Ta- that's... Amanda Tapping put her foot put her foot down on the script finally. <laughs> yeah, at least at least like no one actually like because Linnea, it's going to become clear very very quickly has like a lot of authority to all these people and like it's we're gonna learn in a little bit that everyone is just really scared of her so everyone do does what she does what she says and that's right no one is gonna try for it anymore now so uh that's out of the way Uh, (laughs) um so uh yeah they they just talk a little bit and uh like she says welcome to them and i think that's pretty much it um yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, Linnea t- does a little bit of bonding with Carter specifically. She says, "Oh, I know what it's like to be a woman in here." So, don't worry, I got your back. Uh, and then, like, she just kind of leaves, and Daniel wants to, you know, talk to her more, but only is like, "Yeah, no, listen, you need to understand our situation here, and that's not going to happen. And let's see, we just <laughs> we need to shift in a different mode here, uh, which is like O'Neill, uh, as we're going to learn, has been in prison before." Uh, yeah, it, it's been alluded Wild. to before that it was during that time in Iraq, but yeah. Uh, by the way, I can tell you that the guy that plays Vishnor uh, was not mm-hmm. in Xena or Hercules. No. Oh, uh, wow. He's actor Mark uh, Akison. I can tell you uh, where I immediately recognized him from, though. Uh, he where is, is he from? He is the goon in Watchmen who uh, Rorschach like, breaks his fingers oh. by like squeezing them on the glass bottle in the tavern. Oh, all right. This is very specific. Yeah, so not like not surprising that you just describe him as the goon who gets beat up in a movie. Clearly, yeah. that's 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 what this guy's specialty is. If um, you look at his IMDb, he is in uh, fucking everything almost. Yeah, in one episode's <laughs> a spot. He's yeah, he's a uh-huh. he's the guy you call when you need that muscle goon. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, Speaking of muscle goon, O'Neill says, "All right, Tilk, <laughs> take point. Looks scary. Uh, we're, we let let's walk and find s- some place. I guess uh, explore the, this cave." Um, and like uh, Daniel gives us a, a, a little bit of history about what Australia is. Um, uh, that basically this the, there was a, a prison colony for the British at first, and this planet is like that. Uh, oh, yeah, thank you, Amazon, because uh, factual error. Uh, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> says that Botany Bay was the original name for Sydney Harbor. Botany Bay and Sydney Harbor are different bodies of water. The original name for Sydney Harbor was Port Jackson. So eat shit, Daniel. You don't know anything about Australia. Um, <laughs> you don't even know shit about a place with your own name. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Australia's not ancient enough for him. I mean, they have there's Aboriginal people, but that's not his specialty, I guess. Um, they they, walk they along, didn't do uh, anything he could play on. He, he they didn't do anything he could play on the aliens. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, the Opera House, maybe like that's that's a weird big building. Um, <clears throat> So they're just walking in that hallway and they run into Shoes Guy again, who's just dragging a dead guy along. Uh, and they go, hey, what are you doing there? He's like, no, I didn't kill him, uh, but I am scavenging his body for whatever I can find because I'm, I'm just a little, like, ratty prison guy with, like, a big scar on my face who looks kind of shitty. Uh, 
and like he's he, he tries to like cur- curry favor with SG one by uh, ripping some kind of necklace off of the dead guy and offering it to them, and they go, "No, it's fine. I don't want this." Um, so uh, yeah, he he's like disappointed because uh, he just wants to like be under their protection or whatever. Uh, and this guy tries to plan the idea that like, hey, uh, he talks to Teal specifically and says, hey, maybe you can challenge Vishnor, who's the name of the the big guy, uh, and if you kill him, you can be the, the the pit boss around here, and then like I'm your friend, and then I'm I'm, I'm set like <laughs> for my life in here, right? And Teal's like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it goes, oh, okay. And the the guy just like leaves, drags, keeps dragging the body along, so <laughs> to do whatever he's gonna do with it. Uh, like by the way, we get a lot of nice disgusted faces from Amanda tapping in this episode. She she got the assignment. I don't like being in this place, and she's playing the hell out of it. Um, there's a, a little moment where uh, O'Neill tells Daniel to take off his glasses because uh, you don't want to show a sign of weakness in prison because that that's the way to get. Uh, beat up or worse or taken advantage of or whatever which you know just makes me think I don't I don't know if glasses are considered a sign of weakness on literally an alien planet where we haven't seen anyone with glasses uh, even if they might have glasses I also don't think they're a sign of weakness in our prisons (laughs) I think everyone recognizes like glasses you you need them to read like you need them to see (laughs) yeah Right, I'm I'm thinking back on literally every prison thing I've seen, and there, you know, there's always someone who has glasses like in prison somewhere, and there, I don't think that's ever been shown to be a problem. Granted, like it's, I'm talking about fictional TV shows and movies, I've never actually been to prison. Uh, no, but O'Neill seems to. St- if Daniel Jackson had his little like uh, allergy snot rag, then o- O'Neill would have a point. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, you don't want to be shown to uh, not to to have an intolerance to pollen in here. Um, they, the guest here had it, but yeah. I don't think they never actually say the like the the standard prison cliche. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they never they, actually say that. Yeah, you're supposed to go fight the biggest guy. Uh, yeah, no, they don't. Whatever, like it's it's just they they. Uh, I mean, it happens, they, but it happens. They no, I mean the, the the other guy, the the guy who had the dead body, like he suggested that to Teal'c, and Teal'c said, "No, I don't think so," and that that was it. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so like, yeah. The, so then they start trying to figure out the the answer to the solution to the problem. Uh, Carter says, "Yeah, we don't." They they took their uh, their remote like the the GDOs they have, which is the device that sends the code for to open the iris. So uh, they, f- without that, they can't dial to Earth. Uh, they also can't dial to Earth like uh, on a more basic level because there's no DHD on this planet. So they can't just dial the Stargate either. It's so- it's like it's it's set up to be a receiver only. Um, yeah, was this uh, just so, kind of slotted in here without actually looking at when it is in the timeline? Because mm-hmm. there's an easy answer to them that they never even bring up about the Alpha site. Right. That's that's the other thing. Uh, I just wonder why they they like because Daniel spends half of the episode trying to remember a different planet that they can go to, uh, and they 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 end up like picking the one 
where SG3 is going, even though, like, the weird, like, I guess, it, like, he says that SG3 was scheduled to go to that planet later, like, in a couple days, because we see, like, the next thing, the next scene we see is SG3 re returning from the planet from the intro, uh, because they were over there looking for SG1 specifically. Listen, he can only, he can uh, only recall that when he has the meaty mitts of a character actor around his throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um so yeah uh it's it's just a quick insert shot of sg3 uh coming back through the stargate and like the the, the guy just shaking his head at general hammond uh and we're, we're gonna see more of that when we get there um then so uh carter and uh o'neill are over at linnea's pad i guess her little like cave corner where she lives uh, and she she gets to act all mysterious and says, "Oh, sooner or later, all newcomers come here because I'm the coolest person here. Clearly, the only the the one that looks the friendliest, and everyone wants to be my friend and everything. Um, <clears throat> not going to be ironic considering everything else or anything." Um, uh, so they, they, they talk with her a little bit, and they say, yeah, we're from a place called Earth, and she's like, I don't know about that place, you should tell me all about it, I'm very interested in what you have to say to me. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, she exposits, she exposits a little bit that uh, they're, all, they're deep underground somewhere, that the people on their planet found the Stargate, and th this was the only planet they knew where to dial, and they found this place, and there's no exit to it, so they decided to turn it into a prison, and ain't that swell. Um, so how did they do that, though? If there's, there's no DHD here. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe there was one at some point, and they just... Uh, took it out or or something. Uh, it's like yeah. honestly, I feel like like when this is their first place dialing, they probably you, you, you would have had some people end up like Ernest. Maybe like the Taldor have spaceships because they have teleporters and stuff. So maybe they can just go there and teleport people out of there if they have to. Uh, it's not it's not it's not explained or anything. Like shockingly little of this culture Nothing is explained, is explained is. in any way, except that they have a prison planet. Um, so uh, yeah, that 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 that's it. They they just say. Um, yeah, so the Stargate is the only way out. Uh, and, like, yeah, Linnea says, so some people think that if they stand in the vortex, they, they get to escape, and they, they explain to her, yeah, no, they, they, they die. We've actually figured this out. Uh, and then she says, like, like, the way she reacts, it's like it's not a big surprise that like, that's what she expected, but she says it's probably good to l let these people believe that it does something because it gives them hope. But, you know, I don't know about hope that makes you kill yourself by going in there. If that's any good, but uh, whatever. Um, I guess it's bleak anyway. Uh, yeah, they just uh, they just have like she just like says vague uh, lines about power and fear and whatever to them to like sort of like imply that actually she's like a dangerous criminal. And then everyone just is just afraid of her, which is like gonna be the reveal later on. Um, so we're back on Earth. Uh, uh, Hammond is with SG-3, and they say, yeah, so uh, all of SG-1's equipment, like their weapons and stuff, is on the table. Uh, and, like, yeah, they say, ba basically, SG-3 went there, like, the Taldor just gave them all this stuff and sent them back. <laughs> and, like, they, they, they just said, SG-1's been accused of a crime and put, been put in prison, and then, like, they just sent them back to Earth after that. So, uh, 
not 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 much on diplomacy uh hammond has a, a little like interesting moment there because he says uh all right we need to get diplomatic with these people I'll, i'll get sg9 on it which like implies that sg9 is the diplomacy specialist and the sgc which you know we're gonna see the sg9 guy in a little bit and like i i get the idea that he's supposed to be a diplomacy specialist but i don't know man he's not he, he I, he seems to be the, compared to, ja- to compared say. to Jack and Hammond. Yeah. He's doing uh, much better. Yeah, he 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 has like he he's gonna care at least to understand the point of view of the Taldor, like to to like try to like bridge the differences between them. So I guess in that sense, he's a good diplomat. But anyway, uh, he's he only appears in this episode. This guy, it's not like he matters much in the grand scheme of things. Um, oh, this, this guy. He he got he got fired after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean he like he contradicted Hammond right right next to him as he was talking to aliens. That's probably not good for his job prospects after that. Um, back back on Hadante, Linnea is showing us you on her cool cool moss with with the drops that she drips on them. Like because because everything she does is like these little flasks that have little drops on them, and she has like, a little like. Uh, I, I don't know what you call it. A, a little thing to drop drops, basically. So uh, it's probably she, not this because, like, nothing in this episode is act def- is definitely intended to be part of the overall plot. Mm-hmm. But this looks like Nox stuff. Oh yeah, this I mean, looks it's, like the stuff the Nox had all over their houses, right? It's 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 your generic like uh, mossy looking material that they yeah. use. Uh, it's it's probably made of the same stuff. Like the prop department, it's just pro- went it's probably the, the same s- kind of like we put some glowy stuff and wrapped some moss around it, and right. you turn it on when the shot needs it. Yeah, exactly. There's like some kind of lamp in there that they can make glow as she drops drops on them, uh, drips drops, uh, <laughs> and it glows. And like Carter is like, ooh, wow. Um, so like Linnea like explains it, but with made up uh, alien science words that don't mean anything. But like Carter extrapolates from that that she's talking about atomic fusion, and that Linnea has literally dec- discovered cold fusion based on moss and drops of of some kind of liquid, uh, and can basically uh, produce a limitless energy from this cave based on the stuff that she just had with her and found there. Uh, <laughs> whatever stretches credibility also that nothing none of this is meant ever mentioned again after this episode uh seems like you know anyway it seems like carter when she gets back to earth should pretty much like get a grant and an entire university like to base some research on the stuff she saw there because you know that's that's a pretty significant discovery right there one of the yes i need to gather i need to gather Every kind of moss and everything I could drip on it until I figure until I figure this out. <laughs> like find some way to go back to that planet and get that stuff, right? Like go there with one of your own reactors, something. There's there's got to be a way to get that stuff back because you know cold fusion, one of the one of science's mo- longest running albatrosses, a thing that a lot of like con artists have pretended to have figured out over the years uh, a thing that would just generate infinite clean energy on earth uh, this this old lady just did it uh, in a prison no big deal <laughs> whatever um, it sure sounds like you want the stargate program to be profitable which goes against right? the general ethos of the stargate project 
right? Because they they can't possibly bring anything back that would actually be useful to them. Um, <laughs> we we got to Tilk just strangling a guy for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I for, from what he says after this is because this guy I guess tried to jump maybe Daniel and Tilk just jumped to his defense because I can't imagine anyone would look at Christopher George. Christopher Judge and say, yeah, I should bother this guy and try to fight him. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, by the way, uh, Stargate Tangent here, one of my students that's mm-hmm. uh, a new semester uh, was talking <laughs> about Kratos and like, he was like, yeah, we, nice. we should get a God of War movie. We should get a live action God of War. And I looked at him and went, boy, do I have an actor for you. <laughs> he, he voices the character. Give Christopher uh-huh. Judge more stuff to do. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he's barely... He, I don't think I've seen him in any other TV show. Like, like I assume he's done other voice acting besides Kratos since then. But yeah, this guy has, like, a physical presence. And now, not only that, now he's, he's like, an old, physically imposing guy. Like, there, there's roles for that. Like, he, he could be in Marvel movies and shit. Like, clearly, he's given more work to do, everyone. Yeah, no, uh, like... He 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 does the motion motion caption for Kratos too. So like just, right. just put him in. If they do make if they do make a God of War show or movie, just just get Christopher Judge. Yeah, he he like I'm pretty sure he did a lot of his own stunts on Stargate too because like he does some cool stick fighting stuff. Yeah, he's he's, he's physically capable on top of being a good actor and having like a, a really interesting voice. Uh, just have him do everything. Um, so yeah, uh, the rest of SG One joins them back up at this point. Uh, Daniel says, "I figured out that this place is over fifteen thousand years old, which means it's older than human civilization, which is useless knowledge to us because what 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 are we supposed to do with that anyway? Uh, it's not like like Daniel's fields of expertise are ancient languages, and since like I I don't like basically he's saying I'm not gonna find any kind of writing in here that I can translate in any way to help us, so." Uh, not not gonna not useful. Uh, that's it. So okay. Uh, so yeah, O'Neill then like uh, tells them his plan, which is hey, so this old lady showed us like cold fusion, so maybe we could like you know convince her to uh, help let us use this to power the Stargate, and then like if we just like let her come back with us, because because that seems like a fair trade. And Daniel like points out. Uh, correctly as it turns out that hey uh this lady is in prison are we is it a good idea to just like let her out and come back with us uh and like i mean only- they are operating on the assumption that we're in prison for bullshit reasons right so, so that's that's that that's the like the magic narrative trick of this episode is it starts with a kangaroo court that condemns our heroes on bullshit charges and we know that they've they haven't done anything wrong so this like pretty much clears everyone who's on this planet like by default because you know <laughs> whatever like anyone can be here for any stupid reason so why assume that anyone here is actually dangerous besides the actually clearly dangerous guys who keep attacking them you know um (laughs) um daniel says uh something like uh i don't i don't know if we should assume that linnea is is good because like uh, all these people are don't just respect her they're afraid of her which you know she's scary or whatever and o'neill kind of like brushes it off and says yeah okay so that's that's something that someone who's never been to prison would say and daniel is like oh yeah or like you have been to prison and o'neill just like like deadpan stares at him and says 
Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> like, so, as I alluded, to, sorry. So if O'Neill's been to prison, and we're inferring that it it was like a war prison. Uh, over yeah, the it was in Iraq. Yeah. Why does why does he presume the social conventions of a war prison <laughs> would be the same for like this prison? What? Right. Just, I mean. Every prison operates the exact same way. A prison in Chicago uh, yeah, that, operates like Afghanistan. That, 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 yeah, that's the thing is that, uh, yeah, he's he's bringing a lot of assumptions to the table, as we've seen with the glasses bit earlier. You know, uh, don't know if a, an alien planet would work under the same social rules as an Earth prison, especially since, like, I'm, I'm sure an Iraq prison doesn't work the same way as an American prison, like socially for people who are in there or something. But yeah, O'Neill has enough of a bad memory of being in prison in Iraq that he's uh, <laughs> he decides he's the expert uh, in the situation of the four of them, and he's going to uh, make the calls on what they should do here. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, definitely not. The prison, prisoners of war are definitely going to have a very different outlook than civilian prisoners. If yeah, no for no other sh- reason, then, you know, prisoners of war are all there for the same reason and uh-huh. the reason they most they probably believe was justified. Now, right, exactly. Now, I'm obviously the Stargate rookie, and I'm sure mm-hmm. three seasons from now it'll be explained that O'Neill was in an Afghanistan prisoner of war mm-hmm. camp. Uh, but it, it might be cooler if he had just actually gone to prison as a youth. And when he was a young man, <laughs> yeah. gone to prison. Like I, I st- I stole a car and I was sent to prison for six months when I was 18 years old or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, it, but it is like, I think it's this season actually they're going to revisit that. And, uh, there's, there's like a, a, a guest character in, in a different episode who has, shares a past with O'Neill and that entire, uh, Iraq prison story. And there's going to be like, uh, past business to settle with this guy uh but that's for a different episode um so actually one of, before we get too far moving forward mm-hmm. nobody tries to nobody jumps in front of the kawoosh at, at lunchtime no nobody does i guess it's like yeah it's it, it's it's like i said before no one not not everyone is actually uh convinced that that's the way to escape it's just uh, a thing that it it for some reason, it makes me think of the the like the good place finale, even though that's a completely different uh, <laughs> uh, the tone and uh, you know because uh, like yeah the, the 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 way the good place ends. Uh, spoilers for the good place. Uh, skip ahead if you haven't watched all of it and you and you care about it. Uh, is that at the end, like the the main characters kind of. Uh, like take over the management of heaven and of the good place and, and and they decide that like there's a problem of like inertia in 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 the good place because since everyone is in perfect contentment for eternity uh everyone gets like really depressed and bored and everything cuz they they don't have anything else that can motivate them so like they 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 add a thing where once you get bored enough of the afterlife you can just go there and like stop existing and like there's this whole thing anyway uh this this makes me think of that basically like once 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 you've completely lost everything to despair in this prison and you have nothing else to you feel to live for well you have this hope that this kawoosh is gonna like let you escape and you you're you're just this you're just depressed enough to actually go for it even though you know in the back of your mind that it's probably actually gonna kill you which is depressing as hell and heavy but yeah uh, it's it's kind of a downer of an episode that way, um, but yeah. Uh, 
so what they talk about here in uh, in the rest of this scene is uh, they they say that they don't have the GDO, so they can't even just dial Earth to uh, to go back because they're, they'll be squished on the iris if they do that. Uh, so they say, "Hey, Daniel, figure out somewhere else we can go." And like like we like we've said before, uh, Alpha Site is right there, unless the Alpha Site has an iris and it just hasn't been mentioned. Um, I'm so pretty that sure seems Earth like is an supposed to be the way. only place with an iris, though. Right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so the Stargate starts dialing, uh, and uh, Vishnor comes up and talks to Onion and says, hey, you eat last, because uh, it's it's lunchtime, everyone. Uh, the, so they have this whole like contraption. They, they have a ramp that they bring to the Stargate, which I just wonder if like someone told them to do that, or if they just like, or if the, 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 the why well, I forget their name if the, the if the people in charge just literally like point a hose of oatmeal at the stargate and shoot it out there and like the first time it happened it just fell on the floor and like fuck off prisoners like we that that seems mean anyway they have a ramp that uh that kind of like guides gutters the, the the oatmeal that just comes pouring out of the stargate into a trough um and now, everyone got I, this was my prime <laughs> This was my prime question. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you think that substance is? You seem to think it's oatmeal. That's that's my assumption. It looks really goopy, though. So it, if it's oatmeal, it's oatmeal with a lot of water in it to help it flow in, down that gutter, I guess. Uh, I don't, what, what do you think it is? Uh, so a, a meal that was routinely cooked in my childhood mm-hmm. was uh, you take uh, a can of cream of mushroom soup. Yeah. You mix it with tuna fish, and then you mix it with a can of peas. <laughs> and it basically becomes white, like gray mucus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I thought of. It's basically like, it, I guess it's a Canadian uh, army recipe. Okay. Uh, shit on a shingle. All right. I think that's. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it could be that. Except that I don't see any peas. You you think being green, they would be visible in that thing. Uh, it could be cream of mushroom soup. That's a that's a that's an okay point. Like they clearly had it, to use. It's Soylent. <laughs> yeah, Soylent. <laughs> not, not, not the made of people kind, the Silicon Valley kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Uh, it also makes me think of the goop that they eat in the Matrix. Uh, obviously, the Matrix is a little bit more recent than this, but uh, whatever it is, it's it, it, it had to be made of something edible because they do eat it on camera, so... I, I just I, I I looked at the the Stargate Wiki page on this and they didn't mention what it actually was so I, I don't know if that knowledge has become public at any point. Um, anyway, it unapp- is something gross and goopy. Yeah, unappetizing <laughs> gray goop is what's going on here. Um, so yeah, uh, Vishnor uh, goes up to the front, uh, like sort sort of stops everyone from just digging in, uh, waits for Linnea who comes out. O- who comes up and hands him her bowl and he just fills it for her and someone else hands him a bowl and he fills it for himself and then everyone just goes wild and goes in there and just uh, scoops up a bowl of it. Uh, I, I feel also the need to mention that it's mentioned later in this episode that this happens once a day so everyone has to live off of one bowl of whatever this is a day for all of their calories and whatever. Doesn't seem like a lot uh, to keep an, an adult sustained. Uh, but then again, it is a hell prison world. So uh, unpleasant for everyone. Uh, dehumanizing. Uh, the, I, I'm against the, the prison planet industrial complex. Uh, this is my stand uh, that I take right now. <laughs> um, I doubt 
I doubt some corporation is getting a, a payoff to produce their sludge. I don't know. We don't. We don't know anything about the 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 tal the Taldos, the Taldor. Taldor. Yeah, so it, as, as far as we know, it could be like a late-stage capitalism thing they have, and it's exactly what's going on. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the, the, the last of the nameless people who take, take the, the goop is uh, the guy who we saw earlier who took the shoes and the, 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 the dead guy. And as SG-1 approaches uh, to co come over and eat last as uh, Vishnu instructed, uh, he just hands them his bowl, so he's he's really dedicated to keeping himself at the bottom of the social totem pole in this prison. Because like these new people that everyone, no one respects, he's like, no, I'm gonna submit to these people also. I'm just that much of a nothing guy. Uh, kind of sad I once mean, again. He sees Christopher. He sees Christopher Judge, and <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, no, he's like, no, I, I'm that's not, not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to be above these people. They're already making friends with Linnea. They're probably the new shit that's coming up, and I need to make friends to to submit to these people. Um, so yeah, uh, they they just pass the ball around, and like, yeah, now now it's one bowl for four people. Uh, they have to eat with their fingers because they don't have any kind of utensils. So we see uh, O'Neill take a nice scoop on two fingers through fingerless gloves and stick it in his mouth. Uh, that's that's gonna be nice for his gloves that are gonna get dirty real quick and start smelling. Um, Anyway, oh, here we go. The next scene, uh, I, I think I got it right. It's P3X775 because we have the SG9 guy who's talking to Hammond and is really, like I said earlier, he was playing devil's advocate. Uh, in this scene, he's he's basically acting like uh, he he represents the, the Taldor. Uh, <laughs> like he, he's, he's like vouching for them and saying, well, listen, they went there even though they didn't know they were breaking the law. They did break the law and it's their sovereign territory so we shouldn't do anything to help our people or anything. And uh, the SD3 guy who is Major Warren, thank you Amazon once again, uh, th this guy's name is... Uh, like is, is is more of a face to 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 retain because he's going to be a member of of SG3 going forward. Uh make peace not in this episode by the way even though he's like the leader of SG3 so presumably Warren's boss uh but doesn't appear in this one. Um So yeah, uh so so yeah basically this guy Kovacek uh, tells Hammond that, uh, yeah, this is what's going on on this planet. And Hammond says, yeah, well, that's bullshit. Uh, we need to go talk to them and figure out some kind of way to convince them to give us our people back. Uh, and Warren uh, agrees with that sentiment. Um, and like, Kovacek is like, yeah, well, okay. He's like, kind of like iffy on actually doing that. Cause like, cause, cause Kovacek is like, if, if we play ball with them, we can keep good relations with them and like maybe they can give, like hook us up with some technology or whatever. Uh, so I guess that that's the dilemma that Hammond has on there. Uh, <laughs> like there, there's a kind of a creepy way where Kovacek is like, so apparently if we keep like being nice to them, they might let us see their faces. Like that's a big thing, important thing that we care about. Uh, which is like the, 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 the point that makes uh <clears throat> Warren say hey this is this is bullshit let let's just go there and like stick our guns in their faces and convince them uh and yeah uh <clears throat> but you see you have to see their faces to be able to stick guns in them <laughs> <laughs> right st st stick the guns at the spotlights <laughs> i guess um 
So, yeah, Hammond turns to him and says, uh, tomorrow your team is going to P2A509, which is like, it's, it's going to be the link that, uh, that's, that's the planet that SG1 is going to escape to, because that's the place that Daniel is going to mention when he wakes up from being knocked out in a couple scenes. Uh, that's because, yeah, he's going to remember that SG3 is there. Um, so Hammond is, is tries to say, tell Kovacek to go back and, like, uh, the, the saber rattle a little bit and, and be a little meaner with them. Uh, but Hammond's like, hey, you know what? No, I'm just going to go myself, which is like a momentous occasion where this is the first episode where General Hammond goes to a different planet. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of weird firsts in this one. Like for, for a nothing episode, uh, we get the, the Kaboosh disintegration and also Hammond going through the Stargate. Um, so when... Linnea's room, where we see her nice little water feature that she, that she has in the corner, um, and she's like taking some of that glowy blue water or something, and like putting some drops in her oatmeal again because like she's flavor. She says she's treating it. I just think she's putting some spice into it to make it taste better. I don't know. Uh, but Carter comes over and she just like uh, Linnea just gives her her bowl. Uh, and they, they sure, missed. sure hope that she keeps her stuff well separate, well separated. Probably <laughs> don't want to eat the cold fusion activators. No, you don't want the cold fusion or the the planetary death plague uh, that she probably has somewhere in there. Um, so yeah, uh, Carter is there to ask her what she did. Which you know, I've seen enough prison TV shows to know that that's a big taboo uh, when you're in prison. You're not supposed to. Uh, ask other prisoner why what crime they committed um but yeah she she is cool with it she's like she's like okay there was a plague and i was hired to make a vaccine and my vaccine didn't work and they blamed me and they sent me here and and carter's like oh yeah okay so your story checks out that that's a bullshit reason to have you here and now i i won't feel bad if you come with us and escape this place um so that's the that's the gist of it uh, Carter did, decides that uh, this this uh, this passes the sniff test and that uh, they it's safe to to have them leave. Uh, and like Linnea is like, uh, it's good that you, that we're leaving because uh, shit's about to hit the fan here uh, because of I guess uh, Daniel's like Vishnu's gonna challenge some uh, O'Neill or someone. Who does she say? Um, uh, hang on. She says, uh, yeah, okay, so the balance of power. Uh, okay, yeah, Vishnor is going to challenge all of you, uh, actually, because your presence here is uh, upsetting the balance too much. Uh, and, like, uh, so they, 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 they'll want to, like, preemptively strike to keep their power, which, you know, sounds sounds reasonable enough as, as far as prison plots go. That sounds like a, the kind of thing that they do. Um, so yeah, they, they have to, so they have a ticking clock now. They have to get out of this place because before they get prison shanked. Um, so, uh, back on earth, uh, Kovacek is once again giving Hammond more of a briefing and he's like giving him all the etiquette tips that he's had time to like, to study up on, on like the day that he's known these people on this different planet. Like (laughs) he's, he's really got them sized up and he knows all about what you do and what you don't do with them. Uh, and he, he, he's like, yeah, they're xenophobic and they're like bullshitters and whatever. And like, I, I kind of don't like them very much, which, you know, clashes with how much he seemed to, uh, to like them a, a scene ago or whatever. Um, so there's, there's a, 
there, there's a little bit where he's about to, uh, Hammond is about to enter the Stargate and Kovacek uh, tells him, g- gives him a tip to, to just like exhale right before he steps through because uh, to, to compensate for his body's reflex with, when he when he gets out the other side. And Hammond's not too sure about it because like, you know, he's got the, the jitters, uh, but he does, uh, <laughs> he does step through the Stargate. Um, so, uh yeah, so we're back on Hedante now. Uh, uh okay. So uh Daniel's they're just going over where he thinks he they could go now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't like he hasn't picked a place yet. I I was just trying to figure out which which planet he said if that was the one SG three went to. Um so they're talking about yeah, we can take Linnea with us. It's fine. She's here for bullshit reasons, uh no problems. Uh, but then they get interrupted by the Stargate uh, turning on again, and now it's because there's a new uh, there's a new prisoner coming, uh, and there's a bunch of people like there's like three people standing in front of it, um, including uh, the guy who was uh, like who was condemned along with them for murder, uh, standing in front of it. He's like he's been there for a day and he's had enough. He's he's ready to throw it all away now, I guess. Um, so Daniel decides uh, now is his big. Uh, paragon moment to to walk up in front of them of these people and say hey uh if that's gonna kill you don't do this you're it's not you're not gonna escape or anything and the guy actually now, how does daniel do this <laughs> by standing right in front of the stargate <laughs> yeah that's about to turn up <laughs> it, it might be the dumbest thing i see in the entire episode it's pretty uh-huh. dumb right uh the staging Sta- you know the director has a shot in mind and doesn't think about how dumb it looks. Um, so yeah, the, the the guy just shoves him aside at the last second because he really wants to get disintegrated and like so so they do. They, these three people just die. Uh, so this uh, this other guy is thrown through the Stargate, uh, whose name is Simeon, and I had to check because the subtitles spell it like Simeon, like a monkey. I was like, that's it's gonna be like Simeon, like. E O N, right? Like like Simon, but different. No, I I looked up on Stargate Wiki and also on Amazon. It's it really is Simeon, like a monkey that this guy is named for some reason. I I don't know what the writers were thinking there, but there you go. So I um, have another another thought. It's like we because we never actually see the the judge people. Uh-huh. We just see their their their, their light mm-hmm. and both the conv both the convicts we see get thrown in here. They're already dressed in rags, right? So that, that that's just yeah that's just uh, where they stick all the poor people I guess uh, it, no it's just because these are uh, one-off characters that only get one outfit clearly um, yeah so uh, yeah the, this other guy uh, he's like oh wait sorry right right after this guy gets thrown to the Stargate Vishnor goes over and like uh, what 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 does he do with with Daniel exa- exactly he like it just just kind of. Like pushes him around and and goes, what's your problem? And Daniel's like, no, I, I just I was trying to save him. He, he, these people just died. And Linnea comes up, uh, and says, what's going on? And and Vishnu is like, yeah, th- this guy is just fucking with us too much. I, like I'm gonna challenge him, and he accepted somehow. I don't really get how he how Daniel is supposed to have accepted the challenge. Uh, doesn't matter much anyway. The the, the point is. Uh, the, the war is on now, and Linnea comes over as the referee and basically goes, yeah, like, by doing that, you fucked up, and now I can't do anything for you. Uh, so, uh, so long, Daniel. 
it's been real. Uh, <laughs> this guy's gonna kill you now. Uh, and like other people, like immediately attack uh, Carter and Oni also. Uh, Tilk doesn't like, he's not even there, I guess. Uh, someone, someone like straight up puts a garrote uh, around O'Neill's neck and starts to strangle him. Uh, Tilk, Tilk is out of the room. He walks in, like Carter tries to get Linnea to help them. Uh, she's being held back. Uh, and Daniel is getting choked to death by Vishnor. Uh, and just as like Daniel is about to pass out, what do we get? Linnea has another hand device concealed in her in the palm of her hand that she whips out. This is yet Should another I... completely different hand device. Should I just, uh-huh. at this at this point in the series? Should I just presume if someone has something in their hand that has gemstones, it's a weapon? Uh-huh. It's like a, it's an evil <laughs> thing. It's just really funny because we have two different ones for the gold, like the the torture one and the healing one. We have the one from last episode that the Ashrak used that was basically an alien iPhone. It does whatever the plot wanted it to do. And now Linnea has this thing that can't be of gold origin because these people don't seem to know about the gold. But it still does the same thing. Like she she get, she get gives Vishnor some kind of fatal nosebleed or something and he just dies. <laughs> She has that. And she does it from a lot. She does it from a lot further away than the Gavold ones work. Right? Yeah. This this is this is high tech right there. Uh, possibly more advanced than Gould stuff. Um, not like we're gonna get an explanation for this because I don't I don't even know if the humans ever see that she has it until the end of the episode when she uses it on Earth. Um, <clears throat> that also raises the question like. As you won, like all their weapons were taken from them when they was they were sent there. Did they just let Linnea keep that when they sent her there, or did she build that out of moss and rocks? <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I, I'm maybe gonna assume she, she smuggled it in like the ash, yeah. like the ash yeah, did last time, in her, exact same way. In her stomach, yeah. <laughs> um silly, silliness, silly stuff. Uh so yeah, Vishnur just collapses and everyone goes. Uh, everyone's going to assume that Daniel killed him somehow, even though he was being choked to death from behind. I don't know how he could possibly have done that. Uh, unless he, Even though he was already unconscious. Right? Unless he was, like, concealing a shiv and he stabbed him, like, behind him in a way that left no mark or bleeding whatsoever. Um, <laughs> they, they really gloss, that, gloss over the detail of how he was supposed to have done that. Exactly. Uh, considering al- also everyone was looking at the scene at the same time. Um, so, uh, we're back in uh, Taldor uh, court. <laughs> the, the the black void with the spotlight. And now Hammond and Kovacek are there. Um, so, uh, this, this is a, just a little like interrogation. Uh, <laughs> where It's a little bit funny because Hammond is going whole hog and trying to like take full responsibility and trying to make the case that he should be sent to prison instead of SG-1 and have them freed or whatever. And Kovacek is there. Act- this man is just, this man is just so desperate to retire. He will do anything it takes at this <laughs> right? point. He's like, I, I never want to see my grandchildren again. Go, go send me to your prison world. And Kovacek is there acting as his defense attorney saying like, the, the views expressed by General Hammond do not reflect blah, 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 blah. Uh, he says responsible. He doesn't actually mean uh, he's responsible uh, that, and he, Hammond's like, no, no, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is what I mean. I'm responsible. Please send me to prison now. <laughs> uh, and like the, the, the Taldor are like, all right, all right, you two clowns. Uh, Hammond, did you order SG-1 to go over there and help a murderer? And Hammond says, well, no. And they go, 
well, there you go, then not guilty, which, you know, considering Eshiwan also didn't know that this guy killed someone, seems like a weird double standard that all of a sudden Hammond, not knowing about the murderer, like, like absolves him, and the, 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 like, their law makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they... The, the, I mean, at, at a certain point, you got to assume that they, sent, they got sentenced there because Jack wouldn't shut up. Right, it's just completely... But, but Hammond is being even more of a shit to them right now because, like, he's actively hostile to them. Uh, There's just Kovacek trying, trying to hold him back. Um, and, like, they, they get... Uh, Hammond, like, uh, Hammond basically says, if you don't release my people, uh, it's gonna be seen as a hostile act against Earth, uh, or the United States or whatever, and, uh, and we're gonna cut off diplomatic ties or whatever. Um, and the oh. Taldor are like, alright, uh, no, it's not gonna the happen. Taldor, like, di- diplomatic ties. You mean this one yeah. guy? <laughs> this one guy we've talked to one time, yeah. <laughs> that thing we were, uh, not, I guess. The thing we were missing for our entire existence, you're going to cut us off from it? Oh, damn. <laughs> we like the thing we're clearly uninterested in because we send new people we meet instantly to prison, like on first contact. Uh, don't really care about that. All right, bye. Not guilty. And then, like, Hammond just like stares daggers at Kovacek as he's about to be teleported out because, like, th- thanks for ruining my case by like establishing that I'm not guilty of murder, by the way. Um, <laughs> It's just so weird. Uh, nonsensical scene. Um, so, uh, back on Hadante. Daniel uh, is not dead. He's just passed out. Uh, no, no ding here either. Uh, no, no, like, there's no, no way you would ever believe that Daniel died uh, from this fight. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Linnea is uh, dripping some drops uh, on his face to, like, wake him up because that's, you know... Would never seen anything that that like some drops of liquid couldn't cure, um, so it's just oh Daniel's gonna be fine. He's gonna be okay. So she goes over to talk to Simeon, who's uh, sitting on a on, on like on a bench over there in the same room, uh, and he's saying like I stole some food because I was hungry and they sent me here. And he's staring in a distance and she looks at his eyes and we understand that he's blind because Carter says he's blind. And Linnea, of course has also a bottle of anti-blindness drops that she just, like, puts in his eyes, and then he can see again. It's a miracle. That is, like, (laughs) the most uncomfortable-looking thing, too. Oh, yeah. Literally, it's like taking this wooden dropper thing and touching it, rubbing it all over his eyeball, and it's like, I ah. felt really uncomfortable for the act of this place, Simeon. Like, man, Uh you gotta really trust this other just one-shot actress uh, to not shove a thing in your eye. Right. And it, it it almost looks like she like pokes him in the eye uh, on the first one because I I think she's just supposed to drop a drop but it it does look like she's making contact and he barely flinches from it like right before she said there's gonna be pain so it wouldn't like be out of character he he and he flinched or whatever but anyway, uh, yeah no it turns out he can see like it it's really fast acting side drops that he has because it instantly restores his sight because like this lady can just do whatever with her drops or whatever uh, so as soon as he can see he looks at Linnea and he goes oh no and he runs off in fear um, so that's weird um, <laughs> I, I like that Oni goes over to t- talk to Daniel and the subtitles specify that Oni is speaking with an Irish accent as he calls him Danny boy um uh, and Daniel's like, that's weird, because, you know, I, it kind of felt more like being choked to death. Uh, 
And Carter's like, yeah, well, all evidence points to you having won the battle. Like, she's applying the anthropic principle to Daniel's continued survival here. Uh, he's here, therefore he must have won. Uh, and Daniel then says, PTOA-509, which is the planet that Hammond mentioned that SG-3 was going to earlier in the episode. Um, and he says, yeah, we can go there, because SG-3 is going there, because I was paying attention to the briefing, and I remembered, and since they're there, we can go there, and they'll help us go back home. So, yay, we have a planet to go to, even though like this is a non-problem once again, because they could have just picked the Alpha site, which is an address that presumably they all know of. Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, Oni asks Linnea if the the food, quote unquote, comes comes to the gate on a regular basis, and that's where Linnea says once a day at this exact same time. So uh, Oni says, "All right, that's, so that's that's the that's the time that we that we go there and put our moss on the Stargate and drip some drops on it, and then like we dial the Stargate and escape while everyone is off enjoying their hearty bowl of." Uh, cream of mushroom with tuna and oatmeal and uh, matrix slop that the in their corner. Listen, don't um, don't you knock that recipe. It's exceptional on toast. That's how you serve I it. I mean, it it's not it sounds serviceable, and it's not like it's not really worse than like putting peas and hot dogs and craft dinner or whatever you know so uh whatever i'll i'll take it like cream of mushroom is like a kind kind of an all purpose sauce like i put it on anything it's it works in a pinch like cream of mushroom on rice is just a quick easy meal when you don't have anything else to eat um so yeah okay so it's it's meal time again but now everyone is like uh daniel is now the new vishnor because everyone is looking to him since he killed him he's he's the pit boss now um so daniel does does what vishnor did earlier and he goes up to the to the trough feeds uh, like uh hands now her bowl first uh, then he fills his, and then like everyone like kind of gestures towards the trough and goes wait, 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 and then he gestures towards the rest of SG One and say, "Hey, they go first now." Uh, it's a little bit, bit funny, so like SG One goes over, and like O'Neill has a, a moment where he kind of mugs at Daniel and goes like, "Oh yeah, thanks, buddy, for letting me add this thing before everyone else." Um, so yeah, then everyone else fills their bowls and retreats to the darkness to eat their meal of shame, um, and then so. <laughs> And so all, all our good guys, uh, quote unquote, uh, p- put out the big, big blocks, big, big things of moss that they f- they had stashed behind the Stargate. Uh, they have these big vines conveniently that all come off of them that they can use to like just wrap around the Stargate, uh, which like c- will conduct electricity apparently. Uh, and then Linnea starts uh, dripping her drops on that moss and they start glowing and everything which uh, and we see that it glows all the way to the stargate and we see that the stargate chevrons start lighting up which uh indicates that it's working and they can dial it uh we they they really like abstract over the actual act of manually dialing the stargate because that would be tedious uh we actually we cut to a diff- also i don't think the exterior the dot the other place gate prof can actually right. that, turn that, properly that's the yet. thing I, i'm trying to see because uh, i don't remember if we saw tilk actually turn the stargate in the episode in the torment of tantalus which is where they had to dial it with the lightning um anyway uh, we, we saw him we saw him like shove it but like it didn't really 
But we kind of cut away like every time it would have actually moved, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's possible. Anyway, like we cut to a corner of the cave where we see some prisoners eating and we just hear Stargate sounds in the background. Uh, and then like, even though the Stargate is super loud and it like casts the entire cave in a huge blue glow, uh, no one hears or sees what's going on except Simeon who's kind of like creeping around there uh, and he sees that they've turned the Stargate on. Um is he the one who screams? Or anyway, no, wait. He Simeon sees it first, and he starts running towards it, and he does actually manage to escape. And the other shoe guy, uh, who's a big dummy, like a he, a sub to the end, instead of running to the Stargate himself, he takes the time to yell for everyone else that it's that it's open. Uh, and then he starts running, but he doesn't make it in time, and the Stargate sh- just shots off in their face, and that's the last we ever see of the rest of those prisoners, so we're to assume they just spend the rest of their life stuck there, and nothing ever gets better for them. Sorry, everyone. Um, back on Earth now, uh, we've we've skipped over the part where they go to SG-3's planet and then dial home. Uh, they, so SG-1 plus Linnea uh, is now on Earth talking to General Hammond and he, explaining uh, to him what happened there. Uh, they say, yeah, we went to SG-3's planet and used their GDO and now we're fine. Uh, and Hammond says, yeah, we spent, I spent two days with this SG-9 guy trying to negotiate for your release and you're never going to see him again, so uh, implied <laughs> that Hammond fired him, I guess. Uh so Hammond's like, so who's this lady? And they say, yeah, she helped us escape. And Hammond's like, oh, cool. All right, great. Uh, not going to ask any further questions about you. Um, and like, uh, Linnea is, is very impressed by everything on Earth. And Teal'c is like, yeah, I know, right? It's cool. Uh, now, now it's my home, and uh, you're going to love it here. So, all right, awesome. Um, and... Um, yeah, and uh, oh, okay. Carter does say that she brought back samples of a root that ca- that has some kind of uh, interesting energy production properties or whatever. So I guess she, she did bring something back of that cold fusion thing to study. It's just that I guess uh, all of Earth's best scientists never actually got get to wrap their minds around it because uh, <laughs> a search for for a, a powerful energy source is going to be an ongoing concern for literally the rest of the of this franchise we're gonna have like earth just doesn't have the right drops. right if we don't have the good drops we, we it's like we don't have the it's 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 like it's pepsi blue and that's been discontinued since like for 20 years unfortunately it's you you can't get it anymore then that's the secret of cold fusion it turns out um so uh yeah so this is just like them saying oh you, you need to go get a, a checkup or whatever to, to, to make sure that everything is fine and they skip over that but uh so while while they're in the infirmary with Linnea uh and this other doctor who is not Dr. Fraser because I don't know why she was just wasn't there this episode it's just this other lady instead we also get like a different lady instead of Walter in this episode it's just like everyone is just their uh their understudies yeah, I guess Walter's not really in this season no, though, yeah. for whatever he, reason like he just... he's he's in only 3 episodes each of seasons 2 and 3 uh, my guess is he was probably do, busy doing other stuff the actor and then he came back like uh, more regularly um but it's it's fine. He has like understudies. There's there's the lady we see in this episode. Then there's a different guy who is bald and wears glasses who does the Walter thing sometimes. Um, 
But this this Dr. Green, thanks to Amazon, uh, I don't even think she ever shows up besides this episode. Uh, this is absolute. This absolutely absolutely seems like a Dr. Fraser scene that, and then like Terrell Rothery was wasn't available or something. Uh, so they just like cast this different character instead because she doesn't do anything that Fraser wouldn't do. Um, so yeah, uh, so after they've they've had their, they're actually in the lab, not the infirmary. Uh, after the, so their checkups is done, and Linnea is like, "Hey, uh, this computer you have seems cool. Can can I use it to like write up like molecular structures in there and have like a three D printer make the comp- compounds I made?" And, and Carter's like, "Sure, we have that. That does that, right? It's nineteen ninety eight. Our computers can just like produce compounds based on like a three D model of molecule you put in them. That sounds like a thing that exists. Um, but yeah, she she does that. <laughs> we have." They are just very lenient with any kind of security with, oh, yeah. like, ridiculously just, just, so. Just, just, just like, build your molecular compounds brain, right in our replicators there, because, uh, you know. <laughs> they had Braytac here. They had significantly more t- t- reason to trust uh-huh. him, and he had to be followed around by right. guys. I, uh, is, I, I think yeah. this is the dumbest thing that happens in the episode. I gotta give it to, to Carter here. Uh, even <laughs> Jackson standing right in front of that blast... Uh, no, this mm-hmm. is really dumb for a character. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it is. But she's just so damn excited by Cold Fusion. And this old lady seems so nice, even though she was in prison. There's no way she could possibly be, like, a dangerous, power-crazy terrorist lady or anything. Um, which, spoiler, it turns out she is. Um, so uh, we're in the briefing room now. And I guess, like, Simi... Like, SG3 caught Simeon on their planet and, like, handcuffed him because he was sneaking around, I guess, trying to steal their food or whatever. And so they just handcuffed him and brought him back to Earth because he wanted to, to tell them about Linnea. And he's just, like, walked in there with handcuffs, which is, like, it, it, it's a real weird there's five minutes left in the episode and we have to expedite the exposition scene because uh, he's, he's brought there. Uh, and like, like, uh, Warren is like, yeah, you're gonna want to hear what he has to say. And Simeon is like, yeah. Uh, so Linnea, she's actually, we call her the destroyer of worlds, and she didn't even try to cure the plague. She created it. That's why she was in prison. She's the most, she was by far the most dangerous person there. Uh, that seems bad. That seems, that seems bad. Uh, Onus is like, well, she she she, to- yeah. she told Carter there was a plague. She she offered to help, and Simeon says, no, 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 that's you got it wrong. She created the plague. Tam tam tam. Which you know, she was sent. So I had now have beef with the Wikipedia dis- episode description yeah. because that is not what the episode description says. She did. Oh, what does what what does it say? No, that one says that she she created a, she made a vaccine for a virus that spread that intentionally spread the virus. <laughs> All right, I think I think there's been some miscommunication there. Maybe it's whatever. Uh, basically, like yeah, Linnea so, is maybe the, the alien equivalent of what like conspiracy theorists think Pfizer does and like spread a thing with like a thing she pretend she pretended was medicine. Anyway. Uh, so, well, no, what Simeon's saying is that, no, nah, she she just did it. She's what the conspiracy people think happened in Wuhan. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, sorry, uh, Jimmy Dean just posted a meme in the chat that says uh, what, what he thinks happened is, uh, I don't know what that's, oh, that, is that a, 
I don't know what that's from. It's Dumb and Dumber. Oh, that's from Dumb and Dumber, right? Where it says, "Where's the booze? I got robbed by a sweet old lady on the motorized cart. I didn't even see it coming." Yeah, this is what happens basically, because uh, uh, like Linnea has ha- is done modeling her molecule into the computer, uh, and like we're supposed to like be afraid now that she's just like made up her plague molecule and it's gonna be like synthesized by the computer and gonna spread on Earth, but nothing comes of that either. It's like, I, I, and nothing comes of that, and they also don't figure out cold fusion so i literally don't know what she put in that computer she just drew a random molecule uh and then like she 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 drew a molecule that's going to make the entire system crash in 20 (laughs) minutes that's the other thing because she she hacked into the computer to set up a fake self-destruct sequence that dials the stargate and crashes the system to cover for her escape uh even though like also, like the, the, I, guess, I guess it's because we know she's a psycho bad guy now, because it seems like if her aim was to escape, she could have just said, hey, how about, no, I guess, I guess the story where she just asks to be sent to a different planet uh, wouldn't really work, because uh, from from her planet, they didn't know the Stargate went anywhere else, so she, so she wouldn't know of any other destinations to ask for. So I guess she had to cover for her escape in some way. Uh, anyway, that's what she does. Uh, and like, uh, so she asks, uh, she asks, uh, uh, Carter, like, uh, yeah, so where where do you keep all your Stargate addresses? And Carter says, uh, yeah, so we have all our addresses right here in this computer, which is like the computer from the lab that is doing molecule stuff. I guess it's also linked to the network of the, of the, of the base and can just go into the Stargate address database. And like Linnea is like, thanks a lot, and just like reveals that she still has that thing in her hand and knocks out both uh, Fraser and th- that doctor lady. Uh <laughs> It's, once again, she she went for a physical and whatever, and like she just I guess kept her hand closed through all of it so that nobody saw that she was concealing a weapon this whole time. Um, some really lax security, really really lax. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, so we we have a, a bit more uh, exposition from Simeon here. Uh, where he says, like, there was a war on the planet, and she, she, she made a bioweapon, and it ended up, like, killing everyone on both sides of the thing. Half of the people on the planet died, um, and then, like, they caught her and, uh, and put her to, uh, in jail, uh, which is like I guess I, people on the pl- I guess if half of the people on that planet died from a plague, maybe that's why there was nothing around the Stargate except woods or and no signs of civilization. So that could anyway. Uh, I'm just thinking back and trying to give this episode more credit than it gets. Um, anyway, yeah, she, she, he's just like making her sound more scary because now we're afraid that she's gonna do that to Earth, but she doesn't. She all she does is find a is find a Stargate address to dial. Uh, we don't know where she goes. Uh, and then, like, yeah, she puts some kind of bug of, of virus in the computer to fake uh, self-destruct uh, as as the gate is being dialed. Uh, and she also, like, the control room blast doors are closed, so they can't see what's going on with the Stargate. Uh, so, yeah, so there's now the, the, the alarm is ringing, and O'Neill and Hammond try to put in their code at the same time to cancel the self-destruct, as we've seen before. Uh, but it's not working, because she hacked into the system, I guess. Um, um, so like Hammond, like they can't close the iris to stop her from going. Oh, I guess the blast doors are up because they, they see that she's, she's about to leave. 
they can't close the iris. Uh, Hammond asks them to, to shut the system down, and that's not gonna, that, that doesn't work either. So there's like nothing they can do. And so Linnea just escapes through the Stargate, and then everything crashes, like in Jurassic Park when they turn everything off, uh, the lights on the computers and everything. And the computer reboots, and there's like a creepy Matrix message on it. Uh, black on white, funnily enough, because uh, it's, you know. It has to be readable on it, screen. It would have been better if it was like Jurassic Park in which uh, if that old woman had created a gift. <laughs> you didn't say the magic word. Um, yeah, no, but the, the, the message is thank you for your kindness. All debts have now been paid, which I guess like what, she, what she's saying is uh, like the debt that you, that you owed me for helping you escape is now I took it back by escaping from your planet, but it's like there's no there's no plague. There's like the the, the issue is so, like she just escaped and can presumably re- resume wreaking havoc across the galaxy. And uh, so I guess she made the plague, and the debt being paid is that she didn't unleash it here. Yeah, but yeah, I guess she owed them a debt by because they also helped her. So I guess like they didn't owe each other a debt from escaping because they helped each other escape so that was all like the yeah, the account was already at zero there and then she owed them because they showed her the computer or something and now she repaid them by not killing them it's, a, it's such a twisted I... mind the, the mind of a of a killer of of the destroyer of worlds is so hard to comprehend and she's gonna come <clears throat> she's back. gonna come back there's a sequel to this episode uh I like the sequel better than Why this one. Why is there a sequel to this episode? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> Who watched it since thought, yeah, you know what? I need to write a follow-up yeah, to well, that. Well, when you're on a writer's retreat and you have to write 22 hours of television, you look back at the, 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 the loose plus threads you left hanging and you go, well, we could pick this one up. Uh, and to be fair, like the, the sequel is better, I think. I like it better because it's, like, it's built sort of like a Twilight Zone episode where there's a mystery and then there's a twist. And it's, it's like it's, it's a better made narrative and it doesn't have anything to do with the prison planet. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like it's season three. We're, we're like a year away from getting there or whatever. So uh, don't think about I, that too uh... hard. I'll tell you what, uh, if Hammond thought he had issues with diplomacy with those uh, xenophobic <laughs> aliens, uh, oh. releasing the Destroyer of Worlds accidentally. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they should ever go back to that planet. And good news, good news, they don't. They will not. Uh, that, 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 that's just uh, salted the earth there, right there. Never get to talk to these people again. <laughs> that's a really good point. Uh, so uh, that's it for... Uh, for prisoners, uh, that was it. Uh, it's not. It's not the best. It's not the worst episode of season two, uh, but it's near the bottom. I would say <laughs> it's maybe like the third or fourth worst episode of the season, in my opinion. Uh, next episode is better. Uh, it's another Planet of the Week, one that will not get a sequel either. So a one-off. Actually, some stuff that we see next week is going to come back much later down the line. So I shouldn't speak too fast. Uh, but next week is the gamekeeper, uh, the 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 episode where we get our yearly uh, Star Trek guest star uh, Dwight Schultz, who played Reginald Barkley, is going to be here next week. Um, so, uh, that, so that was what you're trying to entice me with. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's 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 such a good guy. He's such a good. Anyway, he he doesn't play a Barkley like. Well, I mean, 
that was that one episode where Barkley became like the lawnmower man and he got up to some real weird acting in that one. That's that that's the kind of level uh, you can expect from him in this Stargate episode that's coming up. Um, so that's it for uh, prisoners. We have a couple questions. Uh, follow our Twitter at, at JaffaTakes and uh, look up uh, sometime around the weekend when I put up the tweet asking for questions and you might have your question read on the show, just like Zach here who asks... What's your favorite magical cave slash dungeon plant in fiction? I feel like there are a lot of good ones. Uh, I like the mushrooms from Metal Gear Solid 3 that recharge your batteries when you eat them. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I don't know if I can think of any other uh, magic plant. Uh, what was the question? What's your favorite magical cave or dungeon plant in fiction? I guess I can extend that to doesn't have to be from a cave or dungeon because that feels weirdly limiting. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Mario Fire Flowers. Yeah, Fire Flowers. That's good. Yeah. Those are just 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 have a fl- just get a flower that suddenly just lets you throw fireballs. That's or, nonsense and fun. Or a mushroom that makes you big. You know, that's also good. Or a leaf that turns I, you into yeah, a raccoon. I'll, I'll go with Mario as well, but I'm going to go for, with uh, the fungus from the movie. Just really helpful fungi. <laughs> yeah, the king of the Mushroom Kingdom who has been turned into a weird uh, Last of Us type uh, fungal membrane that spreads everywhere. Nice. Um, the Last of Us uh, uh, mushrooms, not my favorite fantasy magic plants in fiction in fact i would say it's a bad thing that that thing exists in the in the context of the last of us which i know is a brave uh, unusual take to have but there you go um we also have a, uh, i think one question from uh from our discord channel which you can find the link we got two on discord there's two. Oh, great oh yeah you're right um Two on Discord. Uh, you can find the link to our Discord uh, channel on the in the show description. Uh, so Binford Tools Dealer, which is uh, Jack from the Sliders Bonus episode recently, asks, "How's the show so far? After what you all have watched, would you stick with the show if you were watching it as it originally aired?" I guess I'll throw this to Jimmy Dean first because you're watching it for the first time. <laughs> Uh, if you were uh, watching this not for a podcast, would you keep watching at this point? <laughs> no, I would have given up way early into for the oh, first season. Uh, this, you, I mean, th- this show sure does have that Star Trek dynamic of the first season being hot garbage. Um, yeah, <laughs> it does that. Uh, it's I, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I probably would have consulted an episode guide. If I was actually yeah. making an effort to watch this, I would not have seen mm-hmm. every episode in the first season. I would have just jumped around. Yeah, that's that's probably a good call because there's some real bad ones that, in that's season valid, one. Yeah, uh, it does. Like, yeah, I can reassure you, it does get better. Like, the average season two episode is already like a, a pretty good deal better. Uh, th- this was like under average for sure, but uh, well, like, yeah, and it, it eventually reaches a level where Planets of the Week are a minority, like, in a couple of seasons, it's just mostly arc all the time, and, like, three different arcs that just kind of, like, weave in and out of the, of the show at different times. Uh, it, it, it finds its footing, definitely, and I would say by season three and four, we're pretty much uh, in the zone right there. Uh, like, as, as far like, so the thing is, this is around where the show was when I did start watching it over 20 years ago. So I, like, the answer for me was, yeah, I kept watching, but also, like, I was a teenager and, like, this was the first, uh, 
quote-unquote grown-up sci-fi show I was watching. Like, I don't know if, like, the me who's 38 years old would have kept watching if that at this point. Uh, probably, I guess. Like, for, you, uh, if there was... You could excuse a lot if you're watching something mm-hmm. uh, one episode a week, like, mm-hmm. televised. Uh, yeah. It's different when you have all of it and you can binge, like, four episodes in a row. Uh, you really start picking <laughs> up on uh, flaws quickly. Uh, my 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 partner just heard me say that, and she just texted me that I would have kept watching. So thank you, uh, my love, for uh, for calling me out on my podcast right there. Uh, like I watched, um, I watched all of Star Trek Voyager as it aired when I was a kid. Uh, oh God, yeah, a, a show okay. that I recently tried to revisit and had to tap out uh, at the top of the third season because I was so bored. Yeah. I'm going to say Star Trek I mean, Voyager. I did that with... Yeah, go ahead. I did that with Enterprise when oh, I was a oh, kid, so yeah. Oh, Star Trek Voyager and Enterprise, both of those are worse shows than Stargate SG-1. I can confirm. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. they're probably... I mean, Enterprise was getting better yeah. when it got canceled. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It was on an upswing. It's true. I even like Enterprise Season 3 when it got all the way serialized before it went back to, like, the more fan service arc structure of Season 4. Um yeah, that, that that's right. But like, yeah, ugh. Uh, this is already better than like early Enterprise and all of Voyager, honestly. Uh, <laughs> um, not, I mean, not the best episodes of Voyager individually. This isn't like Prisoner is is not better than the best Voyager episode by a long shot. But in like in, on average, I'd say. Um, so now, of course, if you're looking at it though, how it originally aired, you're comparing this to. DS9 and Babylon 5. Oh, yeah, there's no contest there. And like the 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 fact that I was like a pretty young teen and that B, uh, B5 and DS9 were like in their late seasons and I hadn't been following all around made it like basically impossible to jump into those shows as they were airing unlike Stargate which was like kind of friendly for for newcomers at that point. So like it's it's yeah. it's absolutely a time and place and uh being the age I was thing that like a thing of different circumstances that made me uh, keep watching and eventually get all of the individual season DVDs, which was like the most efficient way to watch a show like for about five to six years, like from about 2000 to 2006. Uh, that, that was like the golden age of DVD box sets. If you weren't around, uh, they had stores that were, that just had them. Like I, I kept going to those stores and it was so cool to just discover TV shows from the, the, the big fucking, boxes that they had back then um kind of miss those it's so, days it's so fun to like just pick up a show you had never heard of that got one season but you could get his dvd box yeah. set for like 10 bucks like babylon 5 had a complete series uh box set that i've kind of kind of always eyed but never pulled the trigger on because they were also expensive as hell uh i remember also like uh the the original battlestar galactica show uh pre-reboot uh came in like in a big silent head box that was really eye-catching on store shelves uh i, I also didn't get into that show back then because uh i had only had so much money i was like 18 um i do i do wonder if it was so growing up prior to streaming uh there was Mm -hmm. like there was genre tv but because you had to like Mm -hmm. make a reservation for it and you had to catch it you basically had to suck it up like all right so i like space shows i guess i'll just deal with this bullshit because it's the best i'm gonna get right now at 8 p.m on a thursday yeah 
I, I guess I'll watch yeah. V, but like the two thousands is V. <laughs> which I did watch the whole way through. That was garbage, but what else there was no like spaceship sci-fi on TV at all at that point. It was the days of Lost and stuff, and whenever Lost wasn't on, I just like looked for whatever else would give me the same kind of feelings that Lost I did. Two thousands had space TV. That was Firefly and Firefly lasted like Farscape. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was only like the one season. Right. You also had you had Farscape. That's right. You had Andromeda if you were desperate. Yeah. As as someone who watched Lex while it aired, let me tell you about oh, desperation. <laughs> oh yeah, it was there. It was palpable. Um, and BSG came in like at the like at the end of it to like kind of that was like the end of that era was the entire BSG run. Basically, yeah, BSG basically killed. Space sci-fi until Star Trek came back. Yep, yep, that's that's a fair way to look at it. Um, anyway, other another question from Lambda: How long would it take SG-1 to escape the village from the prisoner TV show? Well, I mean, they would take them one episode because that's that's what like that's what this show is that the, it takes them exactly one episode yes. to deal with the problem of the week. <laughs> maybe two yeah uh, maybe a two-parter i would i would love to see them do a whole ass mid-season two-parter about them being on the prisoner that would be something to see i <laughs> now if you would look at it from the the prisoner perspective uh-huh. you you don't escape the village no, you don't. the village right. the village is everything right. yeah i i think o'neill would be fine living in the village i think he would immediately submit <laughs> uh because he's so close to retirement <laughs> that i don't uh, yeah. think he sees a downside really uh but mm-hmm. carter and uh jackson uh yeah would always be trying to get out um oh yeah jackson because his quote wife is still missing um uh-huh. but yeah i don't see teal having an issue with the, the village either oh yeah he would adapt and that's the, the the funny thing is there are i can think of one episode later down the line where uh, they they get kind of tossed in a situation that is like tangentially similar to the prisoner, where like they have their memory wiped and they have to figure out where where they are and how to escape it. Uh, and like it, it's interesting to see like who uh like goes along with the system and who uh, has something in the back of their mind that tells them you have to escape and this isn't real and whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, but all good answers all around. Uh, you can also, like, we didn't get any questions there, but you can also send us emails at jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com if that's how uh, you would prefer to communicate with us. Uh, you can also follow my Twitter account for as long as Twitter exists, which is looking shorter and shorter by the minute. Uh, fair warning, I'm out of there if they do enact the daily tweet limits that they've been threatening to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'll, I'll I'll have my co-host listed at some point if if that comes down to it. Uh, but like my Twitter is at the real Simben. If you just want to follow me as a human being who doesn't necessarily always podcast about Stargate, um, M, where can people reach you? Uh, you can find me on twi- on Twitter again for as long as it's there at M of he- at M of Healy. Great. Uh, Jamie Dean, anything else you want to say to our people before we go? Uh, I was going to say, I'm on Twitter, but I won't give my handle because I, I work uh, for government. Um, yeah. Yes. Let's see. In terms of TV, I finished the second season of Everwood, and that's where I'm stopping <laughs> my voyage in Everwood. Uh, that show got bad, uh, or at least um, All right. mediocre. Uh, 
I actually, the last two weeks, have started watching The Good Wife, and uh, I'm just going to label that show Crack Cocaine to me, because I can't stop watching it. Oh! Sterling recommendation right there. I, I'm going to add a recommendation of my own. Watch Poker Face, everyone. It's great. Poker Face is awesome. It's on right now on its, in its first season. Hopefully, first season of many. But it's a great show. Natasha Leon is a delight. As any time you see her on TV, you know it's going to be good. And Ryan Johnson just loves writing mysteries. So uh, good collab there. Also, The Last of Us, but I don't need to say anything about The Last of Us because literally everyone on Earth is watching The Last of Us. So uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be it for tonight, everyone. Uncreate.